Next item on the agenda is to open public comments. We have a motion to open public comments. We will open. Okay, we'll go on to public comments. We've got three people that have signed up. Check that, two people for open comments. Ms. Hahn? Thank you all. I just wanted to thank all of y'all commissioners and the judge for all the information you sent me during the last couple of days. It is very helpful to have y'all out there playing in the rain and letting me sit behind the computer and push it out to the, our, our residents because they were very appreciative about it. So thank you for your work. Mr. Moreau? Yeah, similar comments. I just wanted to thank the commissioners and the first responders in this county for uh, some really exceptional work, not only during the flood, but during the uh, ice storm that was right before that. Uh, it doesn't get recognized very often, and I know that you know, much of them have been in, in cuddled up with your families and sat out there in the cold and rain. And, Appreciate it very much, and also appreciate all the first responders just in their life. <clears throat> yeah, I like to say it's not just us. We we all had guys had to go out. <clears throat> we had guys we had to call at eight thirty or seven thirty at night and had to get out and leave their families and go out in the rain too. So it, um, the four of us are, are out there with them, but you know we, without our guys we wouldn't be able to get out there also. So it's a shout out to just a. Our employees also. Thank you for the clarification. I was, yeah. meeting, oh. I was meeting the entire. No, I know you were. They were, but. They were uh, do I have a motion to accept public comments? Will we accept all public comments? Close public comments. Motion has been made by Commissioner Brosman to accept the public comments. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Our next item on the agenda is consider and take appropriate action concerning the following applications requesting the division of real property. Steve Hillhouse, located in Precinct 1, Ken Oden, <coughs> located in Precinct 1, and Stephanie Cotton, located in Precinct 3. Mr. Sternoddle, are you here? There yes, we sir. go. There we go. All right. Afternoon, Judge. Good afternoon. So all of the all of the applications do meet the minimum lot size and frontage requirements uh, of the county. I'll just kind of hit the highlights of each one. Uh, the property for Mr. Hillhouse is along a, a state right of way and it has existing access, uh, so no issues there. Um, same with the property uh, for Stephanie Cotton, that it is along a county right of way. Again, uh, plenty of road frontage. Uh, each lot there I believe had in excess of 100 feet of public road frontage and the track for Mr. Oden uh, met the lot size and frontage requirements uh, just take note that all these tracks all of the tracks are 100% in the 100 year floodplain uh, so any development that would occur on those properties will require uh, 
further permitting by our office. Uh, depending on the type of structure, how it's built, that sort of thing, they will either need uh, some engineering designs or elevation certificates, things like that for any, any activity that takes place on the property. Sure, you're saying because of that, because of where they're located, you'd have to, they'd have to come back to... Yes, sir, a little more involved than just the, the standard development permit by the county. Uh, because of those properties being located 100% in the floodplain. Okay, uh, Mr. Bernson has signed up to discuss uh, item number three. Mr. Bernson? Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to draw the court's attention to the, the subdivision that's in the flood zone. Um, so there's at least three sections of the flood regulations that are violated by that plat. Um, in particular, there's no BFE shown on the plat. Um, the regulations require a minimum buildable, buildable area outside the floodplain sufficient for the main structure and all the secondary structures, and there's no permanent benchmark. Now, it may be that those regulations only apply to platted subdivisions, but I want to again draw attention to the fact that y'all are having to, apparently about to grant a variance on the subdivision so that it does not have to be platted. So while you're granting the variance on the subdivision regulations, you apparently are also granting variances on the flood regulations, and these are commercial properties. And so they're going to be sold to individuals who may not be aware of it, you know, of all the issues that are related to building in the flood zone. And right now, on, later on the agenda, we're going to be talking about lots in on Country Club that are also in the flood zone that the county purchased because they were flooded and they wanted to return it to green space. And I just want to point out that you've got three, light, three lots here that are entirely in the flood zone. And I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I'd like to get y'all's thoughts on the facts that they don't meet the flood zone regulations, the flood regulations. Well, as I understand it, we're talking two different issues here. I think but Mr. Sternow has made it relatively clear to us that before they can do something on the property that's, that's being talked about here, they have to come through a whole new process because they are in the floodplain. Correct. Um, kind of the one thing Mr. Burnson's uh, describing there is, in particular, if this were a platted subdivision, it would not meet the requirements. So if we had a, a platted subdivision, uh, if there was a new county road being built to serve those lots, that platted subdivision must have a buildable area outside, must have BFE established, that, that sort of thing. Um, the only reason this is not required for this division is because it's not being platted. And so as we've kind of talked about with future amendments to the subdivision regulations is where do we draw the line on platting versus non-platting. If, if we wanted to say every time someone creates three lots at once they need to plat it, all of a sudden this simple request has a whole lot more red tape attached to it. Um, and that's just kind of good food for future thought if we were to see something like this come up or to keep in mind when we look at redoing subdivision regulations. And I'd like to respond to your point. So. Uh, the issue with the BFE and the benchmarks, well, those can be addressed at a later issue, but one of these is about minimum buildable area. You can only address that issue when it's subdivided. And the fact is, all of Rams Prairie is in the flood zone, so there's no way to have minimum buildable area on these lots. So way, and the only way to meet the flood regulations is to exempt the subdivision. Grant variance to the subdivision. You mean buildable area? Could, Outside of the flood zone, it says. Right, but couldn't, couldn't the area be elevated wherever a structure is going to be? The flood regulations say non-filled area. It's got to be Correct. natural. Or, and I'm not suggesting I like let the me flood say not, regulations. Yeah. But it could be built up as well. 
So it still could be built on. It could be built on stilts. Right. Right. Where water would flow through. Well, but that's not what the regulations say, I don't, as I recall. It says that minimum buildable area outside the flood zone. For a platted subdivision. Correct. Correct. Yes, but we're looking at what somebody could do with this property. Yes, and, and to me, it, it doesn't matter whether y'all grant a variance to it for the platting purposes. It still ought to be subject to I mean, y'all grant variances to some pretty large subdivisions just because they don't have kind of roads in them. And that, to me, is not a, a reason enough of, of itself on its own to ignore the flood regulation. I think these are all really good points to take into consideration for when we do look at updating the regulations in the future and this is somewhat of a unique one that would require further review uh, but as we have it right now these applications do meet the county requirements today if they're if they're granted a variance from the pilot requirement correct so do we just for future on this if we do approve it do we do we need to put on the application that 100 percent of this is in the floodplain and so I do that. Um, in the language, you know, normally when y'all see the, the letters from me, it has items one, two, and three, and that's one of the things I disclose on that. The same like there was a family division of property, um, any particulars of that I line item in the approval before it's signed by the judge. Is that the county's job to inform them of that, or isn't that the seller's job to inform them of that instead of? real estate law above my head but out of it's kind of regulation. it's not really our job but i think if, if we know about it it's not hard for us to put it in there and yeah. just give it a heads up. and i will say that the the remedy to this would be platting the subdivision because they only require a little bit of extra work on their side but then there's a platted piece of paper that shows all this it's got the bfe on it. it's got the benchmark on it it's got the exemptions written on it so that anyone who buys a property and anyone who looks at it in a public record clearly sees Look, this has all been addressed by the county court, and here it all is in black and white. If it's a platted subdivision, there's no buildable area on it. So it can't you still have to grant variance. And but that's, but that's, that's my point. And so, yes. you, know, you know, we've talked about the flood regulations in the past, and I've, and I've said this a hundred times about the subdivisions. If you haven't grant constant variances from your ordinances, then your ordinance needs to work. And so here's not only another example of the three subdivisions that are exempt, you're, you're, you're about to grant a variance to, but it also has the effect of exempting it from the flood regulations, and I think y'all know how I feel about those by now. Mr. I'm looking for a consistency Mr. Here. Mr. Sternot, is it your recommendation that uh, the issue before us today be a, that these properties meet the these requests meet the uh, county specs at this time? Yes, sir. I make a motion that we approve uh, the division of Steve Hillhouse in Precinct One, Ken Oden in Precinct One, and Stephanie Cotton in Precinct Three. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Next item on the agenda is consider and take appropriate action in reappointing Commissioner Luke Sternottle as the Fayette County Commissioner's Court Representative on the Combined Community Action Board of Directors. Commissioner Sternottle? Uh, uh, yes, I had spoken with Commissioner McBroom. Uh, he served on there prior to me taking over, and he would... Uh, be willing to take that back over due to I have conflict with other meetings on some of those dates when they meet and he had uh, willing to accept that excellent so, so. I'll make a motion we uh, uh, appoint Commissioner McBroom since he's willing to serve on that on the combined community board of combined community action board of directors 
I second it. Second by Commissioner Sternadel. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. I uh, see we have Chief Novisky here from the Sheriff's Department. We're going to have a, a report from the Sheriff's Department, please. <coughs> yes, sir. These are the stats for December. Uh, total arrests just for the month of December 23. 16, 7 felony arrests, 9 misdemeanor arrests. We had 231 traffic stops, 879 calls for service, 23 civil process papers were served in the county, 43,779 miles total for department vehicles. We had 60 individuals processed in the Fayette County Jail, 8 individuals transported to TDCJ, and 2,159 calls dispatched by communications. Uh, this other stat is the quarter, the fourth quarter of 23, which is a total arrest amount of 32 felony arrests, 24 misdemeanor arrests, 912 traffic stops, 2,860 calls for service. We had 94 civil process papers served, 141,559 miles total for department vehicles, 171 individuals were processed in our Fayette County Jail. 19 individuals transferred to TDCJ facilities, 6,941 calls dispatched by communications. That's the quarter of the board. Very good, Chief. Uh, you know, when Ms. Hahn was talking earlier about this flooding of the last couple of days and the commissioners and all the good work that everyone's done, we certainly want to include you and your deputies. I know y'all are constantly being called. I would like to say one thing I was going to say. I think Craig hit it on the head, but I wanted to add. We had a rescue yesterday that people, I know every one of y'all were out in the flood. I talked to Precinct 2 guys out there putting uh, cones out for our little water crossing. But I had a neighbor over there who got in a capsized boat. And I want to say thanks to uh, Sean Bayless, the game warden we got. Man, I'm telling you, if you could have saw the skillful work he did, it was unbelievable. And uh, thanks to EMS, our tractor operator, Mr. Josh Vandenberg, is like unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Luckily, he owned the same kind of tractor. I found that out later. But uh, EMS did a great job, and we had DPS. Uh, we had the game warden, of course, and we had the Fable Fire Department, which, you know, I pat them on the back for being there. We're not, we're not swift water rescue, but I really want to thank also uh, Constable was there, and I want to thank uh, the Range Fire Department. Nobody knew they were coming. We had them coming in route with another boat, always two, just in case something was happening. They did a great job. Nobody got hurt. He got out. It was rainy and muddy. And I was off yesterday dealing with my flooded house a little bit, so it all turned out good. Very good. Thanks to all of us. Thank, thank, thank you, Randy. I make the report from the county sheriff. I'll second that motion. Motion been made by Commissioner Brosman. Miller seconds. All in favor say aye. Aye. Uh, Opposed? Motion carries. You mentioned Mr. Vandiver, Mr. Josh Vandiver, EMS director. Uh, Mr. Vandiver, you're next on the uh, agenda. Your monthly report, please. Yes, sir. I'll join the love fest in saying how great it's been uh, working through some pretty terrible conditions over the last couple of days. I think most of the goofballs that work for us were actually enjoying it more in the terrible conditions than they do on a normal day. I don't know what that's all about, but um, everyone everyone was safe, and that's really what we always go for. Uh, so you guys have the final end of year uh, billing numbers, uh, congratulations, that kind of stuff in front of you. Uh, for the month of December, it was a it was a shorter month. It generally is, uh, but we sent out five hundred twenty nine thousand dollars in billable charges. We received one hundred sixty, just under one hundred sixty seven thousand dollars in payments. 
Um, average cash per transport was $813. That's still really good. We were at $500 a couple years ago, uh, cash per transport. So um, that's been really good. I'm sorry, $729. Average for the year was $813. Um, you'll see from the year we brought in just about $20,000 for TPR classes and standby events that we've done throughout the year uh, into the county. Uh, 84,859 billable miles traveled uh, in 2023, and you can about double or almost triple that for the actual mileage uh, on our fleet. Uh, I've gone over those numbers, so don't hold me to that double or triple number, but um, I've gone over that with you guys previously. Um, for the total revenue for billing for 2023, we brought in, um, after fees to the billing company, we brought in about $2.055 million. Uh, last year, we budgeted about 1.6, uh, brought in just over 2 million. Uh, we paid about $161,000 in fees, which comes up to about that 6.7, or I'm sorry, that 7% number that we're committed to. Um, I'm honestly not sure why those fees fluctuate in the months uh, percentage-wise. What's important is that it comes out to the contracted percentage at the end of the year. Also, we pay more for collection or payments received on an account that spends more than 120 days in the system that is in our contract with the billing company. Um, just, so total calls, uh, 4,035 calls for last year uh, was what we ran. And that is all, the month of December was 339 calls. Do you guys have any questions on the monthly report? No, sir, I do want to tell you, Mr. Vandenberg, that I spoke to the Lions Club this week in Flatonia, and we had a good conversation about the fantastic job we have as far as services here in the county. Uh, the EMS does an outstanding job, and I want you to know that we're cognizant of that, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. We've got a great team doing it. Move we accept the report from Josh Randall, the EMS director. Motion's been made by Commissioner Brosman. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Next item on the agenda, consider and take appropriate action in approving the request from the Red Door Fund to place a single red ribbon on an oak tree at the courthouse lawn, along with two yard signs advocating for mental health awareness for the month of February. Do we have someone to speak on the S, ma'am? <coughs> My name is Susanna McEwen. I am the CEO of the Fayette Community Foundation, and with me is Sean Piper, who acts as the president of our board of directors. And so for us, we really just wanted to come and ask y'all to join the campaign that we are doing in February. For a bit of context, the Red Door Fund for Mental Health and Awareness is actually an internal program of the Fayette Community Foundation. It's one of our initiatives to really champion this unique need in our community. And so what we are doing in the month of February is we're going around and we're encouraging everyone businesses, homeowners, driveways, you can decorate your own cattle guard, however you want to do it. We are really trying to get as many red doors all over Fayette County as we can. And we have spoken to the majority of those here on the square, the businesses in the area who have agreed to do so and decorate and as so acting as an advocate for mental health awareness and education and really trying to just really heighten awareness of our fund, our initiative, and the work that we're doing at the Community Foundation. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Susanna. And so the, the whole symbolizing behind a red door is that it means 
Worldwide, it means an invitation is a place of safety. And so um, by having red doors all throughout the county and, and beyond, it, it, um, what that symbolizes for somebody who might be struggling with mental health or for somebody who might be caring for somebody else who's struggling with mental health, that symbolizes to them, oh, that's a safe place, that's a place I can go to rest, that's somebody I can confide in. So we're asking the county to join that as well. Well, I commend you ladies for what you do. Uh, the, the mental health situation in the state of Texas is damn near a crisis. Uh, when I go to seminars, I'm amazed at how, how, much, how many problems we have as far as mental health is concerned. So you're here today requesting to place a single red ribbon on an oak tree on the courthouse lawn along with two signs advocating for mental health awareness. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm going to make a motion that we approve that. <clears throat> Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you again for what you're doing. Thank you. Item number eight is consider and take appropriate action in entering into two contracts between Straight Line Services, LLC, and Fayette County for the demolition, abatement, and disposal of two residential homes located at 845 Country Club Drive and 901 Country Club Drive in LaGrange. This is action we took at our last meeting. Uh, am I right, Ms. Austin? Uh, yes, sir. We approved the bids for Straight Line, and this is the second part of that. Now this is the contracts for them to go. Enter into a contract. Okay. Yes, I'll entertain a motion that we accept this. Move we enter into two, <clears throat> into two contracts between Straight Line Services and Fayette County for the abatement and demolition and disposal of two residential homes located on 845 and 901 Country Club Drive. Motion has been made by Commissioner Birkenhoff. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternadel. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? <clears throat> Motion carries. Item number nine, discuss and take appropriate action on a resolution to limit a grant application to the Texas General Land Office for the CDBG Regional Mitigation Program and authorize the county judge to sign all necessary documents. Ms. Hahn, are you going to speak on that, please? I am, and it's really pretty simple. Like we do with any grant application, we have to have a resolution from y'all supporting the application. Uh, if you'll notice, the resolution does uh, include the projects that we have prioritized, the communication, the drainage flooding at Plum and Winchester, and the Ellinger water and sewer uh, infrastructure. Will we approve the, approve, uh, will we approve the <laughs> resolution to submit a grant application to the Texas General Land Office for the CDBG Regional Mitigation Program and authorize the county judge to sign all necessary documents? Motion has been made by Commissioner Brosman. Second. Second by Commissioner McBroom. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, Ms. <coughs> Next item on the agenda is item number 10, consider, discuss, and take appropriate action in possibly entering into a mineral lease with Tidal Petroleum Incorporated for mineral rights owned by Fayette County located under the Pine Springs Cemetery. I think, Mr. Watson, you're going to speak to that? Uh, yes, and this is an item that we had on the last Commissioner's Court agenda. Um, we have come to a tentative agreement on the, con on the contractual terms regarding the lease. Um, the one thing that I wanted to uh, point out is that um, they are wanting to include a cash bonus as a part of the uh, agreement, um, but they had not put in a proposed 
cash bonus, a numerical cash bonus in the contract. The language is in there, but not the actual number of the bonus they're proposing. So in order to uh, keep from delaying this any further, the language in the contract is, is good, the lease is good, and we've come to an agreement on that. Uh, what I would request the court do is um, appoint the commissioner to negotiate the bonus money. Commissioner Bergenhoff. Right, and then contingent on uh, that agreement for the bonus money being reached to enter into the, to give the authority to enter into the contract at that time. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. I'll make that motion that we uh, <laughs> let Mr. Watson and Commissioner Birkenhoff fi finalize that last little about the bonus money, right? Uh, right, negotiate the bonus no, money. Yeah. And contingent on that, uh, enter into the agreement. Okay. Uh, my motion is to enter into that mineral lease with title petroleum for mineral rights owned by Fayette County located under the Pine Springs Cemetery once Commissioner Birkenhoff and Mr. Watson have worked out that finer, final minor, final detail. I'm not going to say it's minor, but final detail. That be all right with you? Yes. Okay, that's my motion. Second. Second by Commissioner McBroom. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Next item is to consider and take appropriate action in approving the purchase for Precinct 4 Road and Bridge of a new 2023 Dodge 2500 Tradesman located at Brenham Chrysler Jeep Dodge, 1880 Highway 290 West, Brenham, Texas, for the amount of $49,995 using Precinct 4 Road and Bridge funds available and in the 2024 budget. <coughs> This is just to replace one of the old F-150s we have that have well over 200,000 miles in transmission trouble. Uh, had it in my budget, and so I'm just looking to get this approved. <clears throat> I move we approve the purchase for a precinct full road and bridge, a new 2023 Dodge 2025. 24, isn't it? And it's a new 23, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. 23 Dodge 2500 tradesmen uh, from Brenham Chrysler Jeep and Dodge. <clears throat> Uh, for the amount of $49,995 using Precinct 4 Road and Bridge funds available in the 24 budget. Second. Second by Commissioner McBroom. All in favor say aye. Aye. Uh -huh. Opposed? Motion carries. Next item, consider item number 12, consider and take appropriate action in approving the purchase for Precinct 2 Road and Bridge of a used 2014 Freightliner located at Kennan Truck and Trailer Sales, LLC, 4293 South Robinson Drive, Lorena, Texas, for the amount of $39,040 using Precinct 2 Road and Bridge funds available and in the 2024 budget. That's kind of like what Drew said. I have a truck that needs to go to somebody else. It's time, <laughs> it's, it's time to let it go, so I found another used one to try to replace it. It's been giving us some issues and uh does it have a million miles no what the old one have a million miles no pretty close it? no it, it, it's got quite a few miles on it but i think it's time to mm -hmm. replace it instead of trying to repair it so i found this truck and it seems pretty reasonable and doesn't have a lot of miles on it for that kind of truck so i've had some luck with it yeah I move we approve the purchase for a 2000, used 2014 Freightliner located at Kennan Truck and Trailer Sales for the amount of $39,040 using Precinct 2 road bridge funds. Motion, motion been made by Commissioner McBroom and seconded by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Uh, opposed? Motion carries. 
Next item on the agenda is to acknowledge the 2023 racial profiling reports as submitted by Constables Wonderlich and uh, Wrench, one and two. Gentlemen, I think you're both here. Uh, we appreciate that. We've, we've looked over those reports. Is there anything you want to add? Other than the fact that it causes us lots of grief <laughs> to do that, but uh, state mandates, and I don't know if anybody ever looks at those reports. There's 16 boxes you got to check on every vehicle you stop. Wow. And tally them all up and send it to the state that you said, yeah, you did it. And yeah, I know that's extra work for you guys, but you do a good, obviously y'all do a great job. You know, we, we know that, and I think we've let you know over the years, we know that you know, you're doing a good job. We try. So after you check those 16 boxes, the, acts, the odds of getting just a warning are pretty slim? <laughs> Go through that much, somebody's going to pay for it. Huh? I move we acknowledge the 2023 racial profiling reports as submitted by Fayette County Constables Precinct 1 and 2. Motion's been made by Commissioner Brosman. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, gentlemen, as always. Item number 14, acknowledge the fiber upgrade plans of Colorado Valley Telephone Incorporated to install new buried fiber optic cables and copper cables within the corridors of the following roads, Oakwind Branch Road, <coughs> Frank Road, Elo Lane, Zimmerman Lane, Lewis Herzig Road, Klecker Gin Road, Walters Road, Baumgarten Road, East Parker Road, two sections, Bittner Road, Truett Cutoff Road, Salem Freiburg Road, Precinct 3, Walters Road, two sections, Victor Lane, Mahalke Road, Marty Road, Buchek Lane, and Bryant Road in Precinct 4. I sure, know, I sure hope they know what they're doing because whenever all this rain was happening, they were replacing it down the road I live on. And whenever you get down to the low water crossing, the orange conduit is sticking out of the ground about that high, and the water was just shooting out of it. So <laughs> hopefully they blow all that before they put the wires <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> I move we acknowledge the plan from Colorado Valley for installing new fiber optic cable on the roads listed below. Mo motion has been made by Commissioner Birkenoff and seconded by Commissioner McBroom. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Item number 15, consider and take appropriate action in reviewing, discussing, and potentially adopting amendments to the Fayette County Personnel Manual Employee Handbook in accordance with the December 22nd, 2022 Commissioner's Court Meeting we have three individuals who have signed up to speak to that. We'll start with Mr. Moreau. Yeah, I'd like to defer to all y'all to speak on. Mr. Elvig. I'm also going to wait until the discussion and see what comes about. Mr. Mr. Burnson. All right. Uh, gentlemen, this is the item that was brought to our attention last week. This was something that was done on the December 20, 22nd meeting back in 2022. Mr. Uh, Watson. Correct. Um, so 
This is an item that uh, we had looked at before, um, brought back to our attention last week. We spent the last two weeks kind of digging into it and looking into it. Um, we did talk, uh, both our office and the auditor's, auditor's office both spoke with the legal department of the Texas Association of Counties on the issue. Um, and uh, ultimately their recommendation and the recommendation of our office as well is that uh, we don't make any amendments to the, the current existing policy. Um, the reason being is that our policy already accounts for uh, what we are trying to accomplish here. Uh, any employee who is taking any kind of personal time, which would include campaigning time, is required by our employee manual to take vacation leave. Uh, in order to, to do that during their working hours. Um, that's tracked on their time cards already. Um, and uh, kind of beyond that, regulating that too much for a specific group of people or a specific person is an issue. Um, and so at this time, our recommendation is that we do not make any changes to the policy in accordance with uh, our recommendation and the recommendation from the Texas Association of Counties. Um, if the court would like to make a, a clarification amendment to it. Um, what I have proposed is just uh, a very short sentence to be added into our policy um, that uh, kind of reflects that, just to clarify what is already there. Um, and it reads, as any employee campaigning for public office shall take vacation leave to attend any campaign-related activities during any on-duty normal business hours as they otherwise are already required to um, for any personal leave is provided in this handbook. Um, so just kind of a clarification point there. Um, and so if the court would like to make the changes, those are the changes that I would recommend making at this time. The, I'm going to speak on the other items as well, because sure. there's four items on there. Right. The other items was to redo the handbook, and there's clerical errors, and there was a numbering. Those are going to be, it's a little crazy right now with everything going on first year. I talked to Paula in May 27th, I think is the the day that that'll come back to the court and it'll be done before then hopefully for review for all of us if we want to read over it the canine handler was another issue on there that is going to be addressed by human resources and it's going to be put into the sheriff's department's departmental manual because there's no need to put in the whole it's there's one person that affects uh, but she's going to get with the sheriff's department on that uh, a little more history on this exempt employee is we asked Texas Association of Counties about, I mean, initially it was an exempt. Well, that's, that only basically has one, per, one which is not I forget how many there are, but just that tier of employee. So we backed it down to all employees. Uh, that way we're not singling out anybody because it should be for everybody. Every single employee here should adhere to the same thing. Uh, I am in favor of having something, I mean, I even came up with something very similar to this, I just didn't put they had to use vacation, because it's, I mean, it's, it's what it should be. You're not supposed to do it. If you are, you need to do it on your own time. Uh, so I, I am in favor of having something in there. I'm guessing where it would be put in is the, there's a section in there. Not part of the yeah. same, right. And it, it, would, it would tie into all the other things about, you can't use county equipment to campaign with, you can't do this stuff. And so on, so on, so Well, let me ask you this, Mr. Watson. What Commissioner McBroom just said, isn't that already in the manual? 
Right, the, the portion that we're talking about now about the using, you know, county uh, resources and things, that, that part is all, all in there. Um, this would just be where we would plug this language in if we decide to, to do that. The, the um, language you're saying, this we plug it in, you're talking about what you just handed us. Right, yes, sir. Um, and even what, you know, just to be clear, even what I proposed to you is essentially just clarifying what is already in our a requirement that's already in our employee. Let, let me read this again. Any employee campaigning for public office shall take vacation leave to attend any campaign related activities during any on duty normal business hours as they otherwise are required to for any personal leave as provided in this handbook. You would suggest what you're saying is if we make changes, you would this would be the change we would. I'd say yes, a dish added. Right, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just a matter of clarification. So exempt employees are not not required to track their time and fill out time cards, but non-exempt employees are. Is that correct? That's we do, correct. We do fill out time cards as exempt employees, um, but it's we are not required to. It's essentially like we're treated as 24-hour employees. Um, and so there's protections that come along with being an exempt employee. So what, what, is, what does it mean to be an exempt employee then? I guess I don't fully understand that. Just salary. Right. You get no overtime. I mean, you, you get straight salary. But you're basically, when you're exempt, you're, you're on call 365 days a year. Most of how it works and most of the people here, when you're exempt, you don't, quote, fill out your time on a time card. You fill when you go on vacation. Uh, or you were sick, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm speaking on the auditor's side here at Human Resources. Uh, but there's no need to track hours because you could put 40 hours or 20 hours in a day every day. It doesn't matter. You can take the same. Most of the logic, uh, I'd say all of the logic, Mr. Bernson, in answer to your question uh, as well, would be an exempt employee doesn't stop being, doesn't quit filling that role at 5 in the afternoon. He's an employee of that office 24 hours a day. That was one of the recommendations of TAC, though, is if you make, them, make an exempt employee start tracking hours, it could jeopardize that situation of them actually being an exempt employee and being an hourly employee because you're making them fill out a time order. It would be unlawful because it's, the law says they don't have to track the time. Mr. Elvig? Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Judge. Uh, and if you'll bear with me, I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. Uh, again, I asked the process question. So, on December 22nd, 2022, the commissioner's court approved four changes, including the wording, exempt employees having to track their time when running for office. That's what's in the minutes. Okay, so that's what I made the request for. And I was told, uh, as currently in effect, the employee manual was the changes never got enacted or what was approved. As currently in effect, the employee manual does not include the updated language on the policy you mentioned. The attached time cards will not include the language or information you are seeking. So, exempt employee under the policy is, is essentially silent, but it lists them. You know, the deputy sheriff, juvenile probation officer, and I'll you know, read all of them, and assistant county attorneys. That's, those are exempt employees under the policy. So I'm, I'm trying to understand, there was a reason why Commissioner's Court approved these four changes in December of 22, including the wording, exempt employees having to track their time, not just use vacation or whatever, 
when running for office. So there was a reason for that, and I'm hearing somewhat that it's already somewhat covered. Then why did we make this change? If it's not covered, are we, are we reverting back from what was approved in December of 22? I just, I guess I don't understand the, you know, what was the impact of the language in December of 22, and why aren't we enacting that? And, and who is responsible for enacting it? Is it the county auditor's office, or who? I, I still don't understand this process. Well, I, I can't speak to the action that was taken on the 22nd of December. I was not in office Correct. at that time. Correct. I understand. Uh, but I, I would say that the situation that we're dealing with here today is the conversation of implementing the actions that you're talking about right. back in December of 2022 and what the legal uh, department is telling the court is that we already have verbiage to that extent that it was more or less, and these are my words now, it's not necessary to implement those changes because those changes are already in the county handbook. Okay. Or the, uh, that verbiage is already in the county handbook, not the changes. Okay, I, I don't want to cut you off. No, that's all right. No, you're all right. But, but I'm told in this letter of January 9th that as the currently in effect employee manual does not include the updated language on the policy you mentioned, and it doesn't, it's not covered by anything, apparently, the attached time cards, and it did attach two time cards, I'll go into that, will not include the language or information you seem to be seeking. So the first time card was from December 10th to December 23rd, and reported zero hours of working time, vacation time, leave time, anything. Just reported zero. That can't be right. And then the second time card was January, uh, December 24th to January 6th. Zero worked hours, uh, holiday hours eight, vacation hours seven, leave time 15. That's what's on. But, but I'm told that it's not in the policy, so therefore you don't get it. But now I'm being told it is in the policy and we don't have to change it. I'm, that's the part I'm struggling with. And it, it helps here a little bit. Uh, Mr. Elvig is bringing up an open records request uh, that he made on time cards for um, a, a member of our office. Uh, and so the, the response that he's reading from is a response that I wrote. Um, and it is accurate. Uh, he requested the time cards. We turned over all the time cards that were subject to the request. Um, and the response is essentially the same, that no, no changes were implemented after that December 2022 meeting, um, and that the, uh, the, in the language in there concerning having uh, exempt employees track their time for any leave is already included in our handbook. Uh, our handbook, the letter that I sent to Mr. Elvick does go on to say that our handbook is available online um, on our website. It's available to anyone, so he would have access to, to look at that uh, and, uh, and read that. But our current existing handbook does already have the changes, so to, or does already have the language in there to address the issue. Uh, and so our, kind of get back to the, the agenda item at hand for today, um, again, our recommendation in tax recommendation is no changes to the policy. However, if we want to clarify, uh, I would recommend that we do implement the, uh, the language that I include to the court today. Just one thought. Sure. I, I, I realize you're busy and you got much more important things. No, no, no. Go ahead. But sir. 
Um, so, and, and what this started from is I looked at the December 22nd, 2022 minutes. So I went to the county auditor's office, I went online, and the, uh, the current version of the employee policy is January of 2022. Well, I said that can't be the current version. The commissioner's court made four changes in December of 22. So there must be a, a new version. Nope, that's it. That's what we have. So there is no post-December 22nd, 2022 employee handbook dated. So there had to be a reason why the commissioner's court approved, and I realize you weren't voting, you weren't on the court, but there had to be a reason why they enacted this change. It must have been to address something. And so I get back to it's either in there already, which means it didn't need to be done, or it's not in there, and I can't find anything. But in any event, I get a time record for December 10th through December 23rd with zero hours reported. You know, working or leave or vacation. So I, I, I feel like this is what the, what the commissioner did was to, let's track the, Exempt, or if you want to make it non-exempt, to make it legal, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about exempt employees. That's the only one I'm focused on. But I'm not even getting, if it's in the manual, I'm not getting that. If it's not in the manual, I'm not getting that. I'm just, I, it's just confusing to me. Well, I don't think that anyone can argue the fact that, that the ball was dropped, that that action was taken December the 22nd of 22, and not put into the handbook. Okay. However, having said that, I would think that, uh, and here again, legal counsel may have to help me with this, there would have probably had to been another step other than that action on the 22nd of December, correct? As no language was was ever proposed on there, yeah. um, another agenda item would have been had to bring language forth to the court to review, just like we're doing today, right. um, in order for that amendment to, to take into effect. That's the whole thing. Was we we, we, I mean, I'll be honest, we all forgot about it. I mean, I forgot about it. Now we're coming back to it. And then we did start doing some more research on it because we had some time. That's where we started to find out that, you know, we can't do this, can't do this. Uh, I, I mean, I stand by, we still think we need to address it just because it's bold, plain, you should not be doing this while you're on duty. Okay. That's it. But I mean, honestly, we just forgot. I no, mean, I, I, listen, yeah. people, we're all human. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I'm not casting aspersions on anybody. But since it's been called to attention, if there needs to be another step taken after any actions taken by the commissioner's court, I would ask that it be made retroactive to when the commissioner's court acted, because otherwise you could delay and delay and delay until you finally get language you like. That could be 18 months down the road or whenever. I mean, I realize it takes time to put some of these things into effect, but I don't want to play games with something just because we didn't get to it. And I, I understand, I'm not accusing anybody of doing anything, but I, I just, I wanna have a, a good clean process for this item, for any other uh, commissioner's court agenda item. I, I, you know, as a citizen, I just wanna make sure that steps are gonna be taken to put that into effect, that's, whatever you all decide. That's kind of why all the other four items that were on that, I mean, yeah. that's why I, I set a deadline to the auditor's office, okay. May 27th. It's already on the agenda for May 27th okay. uh, because, I mean, it's so we don't forget. 
we forgot that step. And I, I don't know who, I'll, I'll take the blame, I don't mind, uh, but it's just we forgot a step. Well, this one has some particular urgency to it because there's a campaign going on. Hmm? Primary is March 5th. If I find out in October of 2024 what the hours are, it doesn't, it's irrelevant. I won't say irrelevant, it, it doesn't have the impact. That's why, was, that's why I made the request, because I said, heck, the commissioner's court approved this, I'd like to see the information. And I made the request. And there wasn't any hint in the letter that this is illegal to do it. It just says the language in the policy doesn't have that, therefore you're going to get nothing. And I'm just quoting, and, and this is not, man, it's a personal attack on Mr. Watson. I know he's busy. I don't mean any of that. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. He said, you know, because the policy doesn't have it in it, the attached time cards will not include the language or information you seem to be asking. Not that it's illegal to collect it or anything. So that's really what prompted my process question. It's not an attack on him. It's not an attack on any of you. I just want to bring some certainty to the right. you all have. So yeah. And, and and your concerns are taken here. Yeah. I think what we've what we've come around after this discussion is that uh, much of the handbook addresses this. It probably the actions in, in 22 uh, were not necessary because the handbook addressed it. As Commissioner McBroom states, uh, this is we intend to. I think our action here today is going to be to perhaps add what Mr. Watson has stated here, these three lines, and then we look it back, look back at the date that uh, Commissioner McBroom said, May 20, whatever that date was, and then we, uh, we, we make it official. And I believe, Mr. Elvig, that's the best answer we can do here today. Well, let me clarify. If we take action on the employee campaigning, that will take effect today, so if it's approved, correct? Not right. after December 22. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm trying not to have an arbitrary. I mean, I, I mean, really, we could. I don't have any. I mean, I, I don't know what we do because I mean, everything. You're getting into a really heavy personnel issue. Can you go back on employees' time cards that have already been turned in, signed off by their supervisor, everything? I don't. Right. Know. I would not. I. Think there are serious legality issues with backdating a court order that would require uh, all, basically all employees to go back 13 months worth of time okay. cards and correct things that have already been approved and signed off off by their supervisor. I, I understand that. You know, this my opponent became a candidate on December of the 11th. I don't need to. I'm not entitled to. I'm not asking for time cards before December 11th. What he did in 2022 or 20, 20 up to December, I don't. I'm not asking for. I'm just asking while he's a candidate. So that's what I'm trying to make it effective to. I don't want to make it effective March, May 27th. The primary's been held. Not May 20th. Okay. May 27th is to, that's only for the clerical errors and okay. the renumbering system to be fixed okay. and come back for review. That's what I'm saying. The, the political activity while you're on work will be, if it's approved, will be today. And will be put in. When can you have it in the employee manual? I can put it in today and send it to Kevin to put on the website. Okay. Yeah. So I, I thank you all for your time. I thank you for your time. Uh, and and I just I'm happy to get to the 
the bottom of it. It's all I'm asking you to do. Sure. Thank you, Mr. Elvig. <clears throat> Mr. Burns. Point of clarification, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you were researching implementing the policies that y'all discussed, which would include having exempt employees track time, and they determined, they advised you that it would not be lawful to do so. And so you changed, you decided not to pursue that any longer, and so you came with, uh, with the idea of clarification here, this clarification. So it's not that you just didn't do it, it's just that they're advising it against doing it, so you've decided not to take that action? And except that you're going to make this clarification. Well, 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 we we failed. It, it, was, it was a failure to put to, to do what the court voted to do. But it was only when the research started to be done that we and it came to light that the Texas Association of Counties were recommended we not do that. that yes, sir, Mr. Murrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll drop your efforts and where you all have gotten to in this meeting. I think it's good, uh, but I would make a, a note that I think you have a fatal error in your wording there that they will take vacation during normal business hours when you all testify that they don't have normal business hours. If the way that that reads is that anybody campaigning, as you all testify today, works 24 hours a day, will have to use vacation anytime they're campaigning. And so I, I do not think the language is adequate. I think the idea and the concepts and the, and the path that you are on is the correct one, but you need some, some better language for that. One of the things, I came up with a, a very vague deal that I've sent to Blake and Paula and it said, just basically said, because I thought about the same thing. thought about normal business. Well, that doesn't cover it. It needs to be, say, while on duty. Because that's a little different. Or, or, I mean, you can say working. It's hard because you're an exempt employee. You're always working. But, I mean, we're trying to separate that and just say, you know, I'm over here doing this. I'm not at my job. But how do you do it with an exempt employee? It's very hard to come up with a wording for it. But just we're trying to say we want some separation. Uh, is all it is, and maybe maybe just on duty, I mean, or, or, or while working, uh, while working on duty. So that's, <laughs> I, I can change it up all however you want. And that's the, the problem that we faced, uh, just one of the problems that we faced in, in reviewing this, is it's very hard to sure. do that specifically for exempt employees, part of the reason that we, uh, the clarification doesn't specifically say it's employees, it is for all employees. Um, I understand the concern about, well, an exempt employee, you know, hypothetically, you know, is on the clock 24-7, um, but on duty normal business hours um, for nearly all of the employees, minus probably EMS and the Sheriff's Department, uh, would be 8 to 5 with the county. And I think that's generally understood. Well, I think we've had a good amount of discussion here. I think it's been a good discussion. Uh, unless someone is opposed, I would suggest that our mo that my motion be that we are going to add the verbiage to our handbook. The verbiage that Mr. Watson has come up with, I, I understand what Mr. Bernson said about the uh, duty, business hours, and so forth, but let's see if we can refine it. Any employee campaigning for public office shall take vacation leave to attend any campaign-related activities during any on-duty normal business hours. Should we take out the word, Counselor? during any normal business hours take out on duty? 
and this is where going, we kind of get into the... I'm going to Mr. Moreau's point and sure. Right, and I, I think that my recommendation would be that we leave the language in there as is. Um, it would seldom be a problem, I think, for it to be... Uh, we would have to specifically spell it out for each department, what hours they work specifically for employees. It would be very difficult to do that. Um, I think generally it's understood that normal business hours, when you're on duty, so to speak, uh, during normal business hours would be eight to five for employees here in the county, uh, minus very few exceptions. <clears throat> so I guess my motion would be that legal counsel insert that paragraph as it is stated and add that to the handbook and in my same motion I would suggest and here again I'm looking at legal counsel to that I, that the verbiage be inserted to rescind the action taken December the 22nd of 22's meeting I think because the December 2022 meeting was specifically about exempt employees, um, I think that the correct motion would be to rescind the order from December of 2022 uh, and instead implement the language that was included here today. That's my motion. I move. I move that we. <laughs> I, re, I move that we rescind the action of December 22, 2022, commissioner's court meeting uh, involving the uh, exempt employee part and that we insert the verbiage that Mr. Watson has provided us with today. That's my motion. Do I hear a second? Second. Second by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. May I just ask one? Yes, sir. It, will there be an effective date uh, in, uh, enunciated in this? Just effective immediately since they got approved. Okay, well, I just, I just want to, I, I agree with the motion. I just want to. Paula will have it on the website. By the end of the day? Hopefully by the end of the day. If not, if not tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Have we had a vote on it? No. All in favor say aye. Uh, aye. Yeah, we, did. we did. Okay. We vote on twice. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make sure you done. Make sure you still, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. still agree. Okay. That might change your mind. Let's go to our uh, item number 16. Consider and take appropriate action concerning approving the payment of currently due county bills and expenses. I hope all of y'all had a chance to look at it. Did it get out late today? Uh, do y'all have any questions? I move we pay the currently currently due bills and expenses. Motion's been made by Commissioner McBroom. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. I move we adjourn the meeting. Commissioner uh, Birkenoff with a mo uh, motion to adjourn. Second. Second by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. We're adjourned.